When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Uh, Ready to rock here on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's like, oh, I'm pulling a an old school Saturday Night Live weekend update where uh, Chevy Chase is on the phone talking to a girlfriend. Now, I can't get into what he was saying to said girlfriend, late 70s weekend update, but, oh, <laughs> I'm on. And Damon's like, dude. He's throwing stuff at the, uh, the the plexiglass. We're ready to go. We have lots of spring football to talk and get into. Uh, and uh, we are excited to have you along for Hale Varsity Radio. Numbers to dial up, 466-37-76-466-37-76-800-825-5865. can find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Damon Barr for, that's two R's for Damon Barr. And uh, always email the show, Chris at AleVarsity.com. Plenty of thoughts on what the NFL is doing by adding an, <laughs> adding an extra game. They clearly don't care what their coaches and players feel. But uh, some NFL on the way. Uh, we'll dive into uh, Pro Day, uh, not only at Ohio State and what Justin Fields did but also some Nebraska spring football thoughts with Rick Pizzo in one hour. Coach Rick Kaczynski, he's been through a lot of springs. Kaz will be with us for uh, a couple of segments in hour two, and then uh, happy to talk with Mitch Sherman in about 15 minutes. We're ready to go and uh, set to dive into it. So my attitude when I look at this football team and this football program, I always try to be optimistic despite what you may think of me, not a homer. I'm a pretty big realist. I've watched enough Nebraska football and been blessed to talk with enough current and former players just through interviews. And am I I a coach? Absolutely not. But uh, just a chance to kind of read things and and give you my honest two cents worth. And in, in spring ball, everything is bright, it's good, it's new, it's wonderful. And it was a, a ringer of a season for you and the players and the staff last year, right? So as you have hope that spring's eternal for this 2021 spring, there is a, a mother of a to-do list for this football team, Okay. And I guess where I go when it comes to the beer half full, hope springs eternal with what we may see in May 1st, and again, with grain of salt versus the narrative or the talking uh, 
we're all at the same point, a lot of us anyway, of it's time for action. And I'm excited to see what action you get here after five weeks of, of spring football, after five weeks of development. I think there's really good football players on this team. And I think these guys can coach and you put it together and you get some more time together. You know what? You can have a good product this fall that's winning, that's that's winning that's competitive, that, that actually takes down a, a name opponent or two next year. The, the, the question is, are they going to get out of their own way? And to me, just as I reflect, you know, a, a day later on Scott Frost Presser, it seemed a little bit more, I don't know, for real with... with just the when I hear fundamentals talked about, that's boring. It is, but it's so important. It's so important, and that's what Nebraska's been like lacking. It's not that they're not coached. It's not the guys haven't been told what stance to get in, or if they break the huddle, or again with the tempo thing, the the plays signaled in. There's you know a, a signal that says it's on three. Well, you know. Based on your quarterback, you've had the last three and a half years, his, vo- his voice, his cadence, and if it's on three, it doesn't mean you jump. Okay, so I'm, I'm excited and hope springs eternal that Nebraska can and will make some progress that, that pays off on Saturdays. You want to see him win. You want to see him win some meaningful games if you're a Nebraska fan, and the time to do it's now. You've got a, a loaded defense that's back. You've got an experienced quarterback. You have an offensive line. And guess what? Every day this spring to hammer the point home, I'm going to say you've got a returning quarterback of three years. You've got an experienced defense. Because if you have those two things in the Big Ten, things tend to work out okay for you. But just the overall tone and mood, to me, talked about some some humbling. We've all been humbled. Uh, you hate the the process of it, but man, it teaches us some valuable lessons, and that is important to growth. So with Nebraska and where they're at, I can hear about testing numbers, which are impressive. I can see growth and physique change. I can even, you know, look at the head coach and and kind of tell if there's some BS in the air or if there's some something authentic to it, right? And and then there's the reality of what this team's experienced the last three years and beyond, and that's the toll of losing. That's the one thing you can't quite put your finger on right now. These guys can, can crank out as much weight as they want. They can get better at their 40 time. They can build depth. They can get guys to stop the run. They can find about two or three running backs to hammer the football. They can get a quarterback on the move on third and eight, and he can kill a defense with his legs or make a sweet throw. They can find a six-foot-eight tight end on the sideline with a great catch radius in Austin Allen. Who gives, like, his heart to this program? They've got all the pieces there, but what I can't, and it, we it, until they do it, we're always going to have this elephant of the toll of losing. And really, what does that do between the years that affects the uh, 
the head, shoulders, knees, and toes on game day Saturday. You can get better, but it comes down to kind of refining your craft now, executing your craft on Saturdays. And you've had a lot of ball games. You've been right there. Now, Nebraska has won some of those games. They've beaten Northwestern in a, in a three-point ball game. They have won in the snow against uh, a Michigan State team. They've been right. And, and dude, there's like five to ten more games we could talk about that are one-point swing games, both Colorado games, all of that. You get a couple more of those because you're better at special teams because you're not allowing a sack on third and eight from your senior guard. Or you make a play and force one more turnover or get one more stop on third down defensively. We're having a whole different conversation as a fan base and probably as a head coach to his team. But ultimately, they got to get out and go do it. So Matt Lubick uh, was part of the media session yesterday. And I like Coach Lubick. Uh, Of course, what he's doing now, more control of the offense. That'll be key. He seems pretty calm, pretty chill. But I also think he can can work some wonders. And let's talk about accomplishments from his perspective. You know, what needs to get done with the offense this season. Daily improvement is the biggest thing. I think they're, you know, I didn't get a chance to go through a whole year with them and, and in off seasons, I think they've gotten a lot more familiar with me as opposed to last spring and, and me with them and, and not just the players, but with the coaches as well. And I think the more time you spend with each other and uh, learn uh, to communicate with each other, which is a big key to being successful in this business, the better things go. And you know, I'm grateful that I've got a full year underneath my belt now. He said a huge word. And he is going to make it better, and that is communication. Because I think it's been an issue. Right? Some guys are great communicators, some not so much. And I think Matt Lubick's a guy that can make sure communication on the offensive side of the ball is markedly improved. Uh, when it comes to some new blood in that receiver room, you've been waiting for somebody to be a playmaker on offense. Get downfield, stretch the defense, make some plays in traffic, get something going over the middle, find some consistency in your passing game, or just have a dude flat out be a guy, be a dude, and take over. Fine. The jump ball, end zone, doesn't matter. Mo purifies catching it, right? <laughs> uh, go route over the middle, doesn't matter. Irving Fryer's grabbing it. Well, you've got a couple of names in this receiver room slash tight end room that will be a focal point. I'm anxious to see Samari Toure. I can't wait. I I believe Scott Frost when he's like, the guy's a pro. You need a guy like that not only to go get it done for you on Saturdays. You need to show the rest of the room how to do it in some instances. You got Toure paired with Omar if he keeps it on the straight and narrow. And then another name we'll get to in a little bit, Oliver Martin. Oliver Martin was watching some of his film and pretty high-profile guy. I know he was a Michigan dude, and I know he's an Iowa guy, but he's got all the size and uh, talent, and you pair him with what I'm already talking about. You get a quarterback that gets some time, and you can start doing some things to defenses. But uh, about that receiver room, here is Coach Lubick. That's his position group, and he expanded a little bit here on – just what some of those new guys are bringing. That includes Thomas Fedoni. 
You know, first off, we played a lot of young guys last year. It was their first year playing college football, so we expect them to be a lot better. Part of being better is knowing your assignment, which gives you confidence and allows you to play faster, and, and we've seen that happen. Um, and the other part is just a chance to get developed fit physically and, and work in the weight room with our, you know, we had a great strength staff, um, a great nutrition staff, and I think from a, a non-football standpoint, we train our guys as good as anybody in the country. And so guys are getting more confident in just their overall athletic abilities. Uh, really excited. You know, we have the one new receiver and, and a tight end that are here right now with Samari and with also Thomas, and they're, they're doing a great job. Uh, we start spring ball tomorrow, as you know. We, we've been allowed to do a little classroom work, and I can tell you they're very fast learners. The fact that they're here early helps them a ton as far as being able to compete right off the bat, and we're excited about those additions. Well, the, the college football uh, fan base, uh, when it comes to the recruitment and the get of a guy like Fedoni, you, you've been – witness to that as a Nebraska fan, just how big a target he is. We had Steve Warren with us yesterday. He Steve trained with, with Thomas, with Warren Academy, and that was kind of a wow factor, just not only the talent, but just how competitive he is. But now you get the, the smarts side of it with a guy that is picking things up, and you don't want to have to rely on a freshman. You don't. But if a guy can come in and give you a little something – as a young player, that that always helps, and uh, more on that Fedoni impact potentially. He can definitely play tight end, and he, he's another guy like Samari has a skill set that can do a lot of things. Which is a coach, the bet, the bigger the skill set, the more things you can do offensively. Uh, you know, last year if you watched our tight ends, they were all over the place. We sometimes we'd split them as the widest guys, and they play like wideouts, um, but we'd also have them attached, and they'd be great point of attack guys and. We think Thomas is going to be right along the line with that where, you know, he can stretch the field vertically, um, but also it shows very, some physicality from the program he's coming from at the line of scrimmage. So Nebraska size has been an emphasis, getting bigger guys on the offensive line, getting uh, bigger defensive linemen, just being monsters because it's a, it's a big boy league in the Big Ten, and Nebraska looks the part now in the Big Ten. And think about the last time Nebraska's had advantages. They've always had a better offensive line most of the years, at least I grew up watching them. They've always had dudes that, uh, either through talent or heart or both, would, would, would murder your quarterback, an opposing quarterback, and stop the run. So that was Nebraska was always just better. They had better players. They had better coaching. And again, back to that toll of losing, there was no toll of losing. One game was end of the world, and you better fix it so you can go unbeaten the next year. Nebraska will have an advantage. Okay, They they aren't getting pushed around on the lines of scrimmage anymore, and that's been a a big-time process with with coach Duval and he's done an amazing job on the lines of scrimmage but now Nebraska has dudes at the receiver spot that can just flat out out at athlete you or outsize you a little more on that here from coach Lubick throwing the ball they're, they're a quarterback's best friend because the big catch radius and it's it's a lot easier to throw to a six five guy than it is a five nine guy and uh, there's quarterback has has room to miss and the guy can still go make a play 
Um, you know, you hope to get some matchups where if, if a guy's good enough to play on the outside but still be attached inside, that what's the defense going to do? Are they going to take a corner and put him inside? Now he has to play the run. Um, or are they going to put a linebacker and he also needs to split him outside and, and play him man-to-man coverage? And if you have a guy that can, you know, be physical at the point of attack but still run routes on the outside, it, it just gives you a lot of options. Um, and, yeah, and, and we're fortunate. We got, I think, a couple of those guys that can all make plays and are still tough. Uh, that's going to help us, you know, be a better offense this year. Nick Saban went off on matching personnel online today. It was hilarious where the Giants had, you know, Mark Bavaro, Irv Cross, and some other monster lined up there against 180-pound, you know, 5'11 corner, you know, back in the Cleveland Belichick days with Saban as the defensive coordinator in his serial killer glasses. He's like, oh, we're going to get outflanked here and we're going to get murdered. We're going to get mauled on the edge. Well, you get three big old tight ends. You can do whatever the hell you want. You can run it or throw it to him. Mitch Sherman to talk some spring ball as it's a Tuesday Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, you had the uh, the best setup, brother, for the Zoom call yesterday. How are you? I am well. Uh, yes, I had a little uh, getaway with the family in Colorado on the weekend and sent them home about noon mountain time on Monday, and then I found a good spot in the airport uh, or just outside of the airport to uh, zoom in with Scott Frost and everybody else online yesterday. Yeah, and uh, I was expecting a a mountain backdrop, maybe, uh, I don't know, Harry or Lloyd, you know, handing out hundreds behind you. Anywho. It uh, it worked if it, out. If it had only been twenty four hours earlier, I could have given you a lot better, <laughs> a lot better scenery than the, than the airport. I promise you that. Well, hey, it's that's all good, man. Uh, Mitch, uh, a lot to get to with the with the spring season opening. All right, so what what was your takeaway with the presser yesterday, specifically Soonergate? Didn't really get an answer, but but Coach Frost was pressed on it. Yeah, um, you know he didn't. He didn't really go down any roads of uh, assigning blame or taking responsibility, um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean he just he, he kind of dodged um, questions that were looking to get into specifics. Mm-hmm. And you know my my feeling is if it, if the game if there ended up at the end of the day being a change to this game, then obviously this would demand a lot more as far as transparency from Nebraska explanations. I mean, it would be a a story that had never ending legs, uh, at least never ending as far as the next six months go. But this was a one day fiasco for the most part. Um, We had six hours of uncertainty on March 12th that ended with Nebraska issuing, issuing a statement to say, hey, never mind, we're playing the game. And, you know, you can make what you want of Nebraska's reasons. I don't believe that it's entirely forthcoming 
with its its explanation that this was done for financial reasons solely. Um, I, I think that's a factor, um, but I think it's short-sighted if, in fact, that was the entire reason because there's a game on the calendar in 2022 that would not have been played um, if at least not the way that uh, it's supposed to be played. It wouldn't have been Oklahoma coming to Lincoln in, in 2022 if Nebraska pulled the plug on 2021 in Norman. So there's financial implications that are negative to Nebraska and Nebraska businesses, Lincoln businesses, as a result of that. I think it had something to do with competitive advantage, with the season next year, how the schedule shapes up. But, like I said, the game is being played. And on March 12th, this was a big story. It was controversial. It was surprising. Once we got past March 12th, we needed to then cross off the list uh, Scott Frost giving his two cents. And he did that yesterday. It was up to him how he chose to frame everything. And I think that's about all, we're, all, all we, um, you know, we need mm-hmm. at this point. It's not, you know, this is not let's dig down as deep as we can get to find out the, the um, you know, everything that, that, that went down um, because the game is being played. And that's the important thing. Um, as we as we uh, you know move into the spring and then ultimately into into the the season, you know it, it was the first time Frost had a chance to publicly address March twelfth yesterday, and that's why it's still something that's been on our mind. Not to beat a dead horse here on Nebraska Oklahoma, but you hadn't heard the head coach talk about you know what what possibly went on. But it was interesting to hear about the you know the team leadership getting together saying look we we want to play this game what's going on and uh, i found that interesting mitch sherman's right. with us uh, on hail varsity radio mitch with the athletic at mitch sherman on twitter so we we found out that that coach dawson's going to be heading up special teams uh we found out that, that there's a, a lot of pretty good sized dudes in in the wide receiver room but something you wrote about uh with this program uh, specifically spring football, uh, when it comes to, to previewing this spring, you touched on the, the toll of losing. And mm-hmm. I think these guys are bigger. I think these guys are stronger. I think they're faster. I mean, I think everything from a physical standpoint, and you're going to get a spring, knock on wood, that allows development, right? But what what we don't know is how is this team going to respond in a tight game in 2021, there's been so many things that, that have gone wrong for them. It's not that they can't flip the switch. Absolutely, they can get better and, and seize control. But that's that's really an unknown, isn't it, Mitch? All these other things can get better, but ultimately it needs to translate to Saturdays. Yeah, it's been a, uh, a, a topic, I think, that has hung over this Nebraska program since Scott Frost arrived. And Nebraska was dealing with a toll of losing from that season before his arrival. The, 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 uh, the difficulties of 2017, they didn't all go away because Nebraska made the splash hire and brought in the right coach. I think there was a lot of thought that that was going to happen, that you know, he would will these guys to win because of who he was and all the success that he had had in his career as a player and a coach. And we saw right away in the first game under Scott Frost that this group had a long way to go to learn how to win, to put an opponent away, to you know drive in the final nail. And that has continued. Uh, there, there has rarely been an instance 
where Nebraska has cruised to a win, only a couple of games in the 32 that Scott Frost has coached where you haven't had um, some really tense moments in, even in victory. So that's about learning how to win. And, you know, another way to describe that is just the toll of losing. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of it in the Nebraska program. And, and I agree with you, Chris. You can, you can check the boxes, but until the team goes out and makes the play to put a game away – uh, or does what it needs to do in the second or third quarter so that it just doesn't get hairy like we've all gotten so accustomed to, then they have not cleared that obstacle. And there's no way to clear that obstacle, I would say, in the spring or the summer. It's got to be done in the fall. The thing with them, too, is they've had nice wins. They've had impressive wins. They've had some tight ball games. they found a way to, to close the deal. I mean, against some decent teams. But it's about consistency, right? You stack it. You can't go have Illinois happen after you are handing it to Penn State, and then you also hang on against a Penn State, right? So it's about consistency. And when we get into some of the roster spots here, uh, Mitch Sherman's with us. Mitch, who are you looking at uh, this spring? Who are a couple of guys you're keeping your eye on? And is there a position group you're, you're above all most interested in seeing kind of shake out is, is it the wideouts quarterback running back where, where are you at yeah i mean i'm sticking to the offensive side with my the most my most my highest levels of interest i think it's, the defense is pretty set mm-hmm. now there will be individual players who stand out and and players who make a move you know a guy's name one guy who got brought up a couple times yesterday was chris kolarevich the transfer from northern iowa who is a linebacker with nfl aspirations and we saw his name and numbers on the testing data that Nebraska released yesterday, the limited testing data. Um, he's clearly a, making an impact in this program, and it'll be interesting for sure to see how he can impact that linebacker group because at inside linebacker, Nebraska returns a lot of players with experience. Uh, you know, Will Honus is there. Nick Henrich is there. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a group with, with experience. Luke Reimer is there, you know, that's, that, that, those are your top three guys with, with Henrich having the ability to, to swing to the outside. So how does a guy like Kolarevich come in and, and, and get in, into the playing uh, mix with that group? Because I definitely think that he is the caliber of player who can do that and will do that. So defensively, he's a guy for sure. But overall, most of my interest, I think, when we have an opportunity, and there will be some opportunities, it sounds like, this spring to see Nebraska practice and then to talk to the guys in person starting tomorrow, which is something that I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, the skill spots. What's happening at running back where Ryan Held has his entire running back core in, in, in camp, in practice, a huge plus for him uh, as you compare it to the past couple of years when Nebraska was waiting for backs to uh, either graduate from junior college in the case of Dedrick Mills or – uh, graduate from high school with Savion Morrison and, and Marvin Scott a year ago. They're, they are all on campus right now uh, with Marquis Stepp, the transfer out of USC, and, and Gabe Irvin, the true freshman early enrollee, plus the, the four scholarship guys and a couple of impressive walk-ons who were all back. So Ryan Held has a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of manpower there at that running back spot. And by contrast, at the receiver spot, all of the newcomers, with the exception of Samori Toure, the transfer from Montana are are um, are still to uh, are still in high school. So 
uh, how will that shake out at running back? Because that room is going to change when the new guys arrive this summer. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see with the players who are back um, and then the guys who are new how that uh, how that mix um, comes uh, comes into focus. Mitch, about 90 seconds here. We were listening to some thoughts from Coach Lubick. Nebraska should be able to to put matchups together to really aggravate some defenses, assuming that the blocking's there and the quarterback's on target. But just from a from a versatility standpoint, Nebraska seems to be rich right now with different body types and 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 size matchups to to give them an advantage either in the pass or run game. Yeah, it's such an unusual situation because they do look like that on paper. But then so many of these guys have not done it yet in a game. I mean, even some of the returning players like Alante Brown and Xavier Betts are so limited in the experience that they have. You throw in Will Nixon, who's in their class, Omar Manning, who's in, the, in, their, in their class, and newcomers a year ago did nothing for Nebraska a year ago, and then Toure, and, then, and, and, and all of the size in that true freshman class. Not to mention you've got Thomas Fedoni as a, as a uh, wide receiver, I'm sorry, as a tight end, who's going to play, I think, a lot like a wide receiver this year. So there are definite matchup issues that Nebraska presents for a defense, but it's primarily with players who have not yet produced in this program. So that's, um, you know, that makes spring all that much more intriguing. Mitch, uh, we'll uh, get caught up again. We'll see you down at, at post-practice. And glad you got out to, to Colorado for a little bit. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Okay, thanks, Chris. Take uh, care. You too. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman is uh, where you do that. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Uh, off and running on a Tuesday. Coming up, we'll spend time with Rick Bezo, his take on Nebraska spring football, uh, his viewpoint from the Big Ten Network. He was just wrapping up at the uh, media. <laughs> media, yes, was there, but pro day with Ohio State. And then Coach Kaczynski, uh, a long look at spring with Coach Kaz next hour. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. That'll be up on the ESPN On Demand section, ESPNLincoln.com. Also on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln. Pretty easy to follow and find. So Monday, we are down at Long Wells, 4-6, to six, ahead of Championship Monday. The second part to the uh, Elite Eight to Final Four gets rocking tonight, Westwood 1. Some of our affiliates will have that coverage, and you'll hear it here in Lincoln on ESPN. Lincoln, so uh, Michigan, UCLA, can't wait to watch that. Of course, Gonzaga and SC uh, follow that, so... This has been different. Ratings are up, about 12% jump. It's been a different look, but you've had pretty good basketball and you have a chance to have your some normalcy seed-wise in the Final Four. The NFL is just saying, yeah, we're going to take your February 2 NBA. The NFL owners approving the expansion of the regular season to 17 games. Eh, no extra bye week. No extra roster spot. And more money for the owners. Coaches and players are like, screw you, we hate this. We love our job to a point, but it's so cutthroat 
that I've got to fake an injury to, to get on IR and not get cut, says Jerome Bettis one time, once upon a time. So the season did get bigger. Some newly added matchups. Damon Barr, I think it meets your approval. Packers, Chiefs. Sounds like a good game. That's money. Uh, Raiders, Bears. I'll tune in. Okay. Vikings, Chargers. That'll be a fun one. That's nice. Denver, Detroit, don't care. Seattle and Pittsburgh. Huh. As long as Russ is still, you know, getting smacked 48 times a game, I'll check that out. Baltimore and L.A. That's that's tasty. Cleveland and Arizona. Really good. San Fran and Cincy. I like that. That's an old Super Bowl matchup. If you're a Bengals fan, you're pouring salt in that wound. Uh, Tennessee and New Orleans. Tampa and Indy. Uh, you have uh, Carolina and the Texans. Jags and Atlanta. Jets and Eagles. Cowboys and Patriots. Oh, boy. Yeah. Giants and Dolphins. Bills and the Washington football team. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Now, the fallout, though, is not great. I There's a two-day virtual meeting. The NFL commissioner made his decision. It was a monumental moment in NFL history. He cited league data that's traced the highest rate of player injuries to preseason games. So they're dropping a preseason game and adding a regular season game. What we're actually doing is following the data and following the science to make sure we're doing things well, both from a health and safety standpoint, as well as seeking to get better in every way, he said. So football's king. You're going to watch. And the all-important point is this. Do these matchups still have meaning? Of course, on its face, it does. But will Green Bay and Kansas City be playing their stars and starters week 17? Uh, Kansas City's going to be 12-4, and 13-3. and three. Green Bay, it just varies. They were 13-3 and three last year. Tom Brady didn't play in Week 17. They're already a wild card or they're a division winner. Same with Green Bay, same with Kansas City. So maybe you move back. This, actually, it was just easiest to tack one on at the end versus reconfigure at the beginning. But if you want your star matchups... That's how you go. Ravens-Rams is tasty. Cards and Browns, you have both those Oklahoma quarterbacks going head-to-head. You know, there's going to be a bar in Norman going nuts for that one. And uh, the NFL's continued to enhance their season with uh, more international games. Four neutral site games. That's uh, thinking about Kansas, uh, Kansas, Canada, wrong direction. Europe, Mexico, South America, the United Kingdom. So that's all right. Who do we got with us? We got John. John, thanks this for dialing John. up. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Hey, Smitty, I, I have to say I love football. Love it. Um, 
But I, I'm totally against adding more games to the NFL season without adding more roster spots. Give me another bye week, or, for God's sake. bye week. I mean, they're going to – everybody knows the NFL has a lifespan of about three – Four years, if you're lucky. Yeah, you and you can you can go, John, but you're not always going to stay, right, in the league. That's right. I mean, that's right. And uh, you know, we all know it's pretty. It's been pretty well documented what kind of uh, lifespan these uh, you know former NFL guys have, and it's about twenty years shy of everybody mm-hmm. else's. So I I'm just not a big fan of it. I, I at some point there's there's got to be a change. Well, I don't think you shrink the season, but man, you better you better provide some more health and safety and you better I think you need to lower the pension number because I think you get most of your pension uh once you, I, it goes on a percentage, but if you take your pension in your 50s, it's probably the lowest you can take your pension. I think you can take it anytime you want, but what do you get in a month, right? And if these guys, bless their heart, don't have a quality of life past 50, then, you know, what's what's the point of adding a 17th game here? It's just not yeah, I, It's just not a good call, but it's greedy right now, and the NFL's trying to make up for the whole fandom thing. Maybe they'll do it for a year, get the surplus of that extra game, and then dial it back. Because I think, you know, the, the next labor discussion – and from a TV partnership standpoint, I mean, all of this is going to set up for the ownership and the league to get paid, right? But the, the players and the coaches need to to really focus in on this next time there's a chance. And I don't want to strike, but they're going to really raise hell about this. I, I think you're right. I, I really think you're right. And I, I guess, you know, you got guys dying to be on rosters, mm-hmm. doing anything, and uh, I'd like to see an expanded roster. Yeah, give nothing, give me a give me out. a roster give me a roster of of sixty. That's seven 60. players, and yep. and I and I know that the the NFL minimums large, <laughs> you know, seven eighty five. But give me a, a setup also with give me the practice squad going from six to. To maybe nine or or ten. I know that's that's five extra mouths to air quote feed or or uh, seven plus five is twelve. But if you're going to expand the game uh, or the season by one game, you got to expand the the roster, the payment, and the player safety uh, is is uh, a focus to me. So, John, thanks for the phone call, bud. Appreciate you chime in on the NFL, man. All right, good stuff from John. How do you view it as a as a football fan? Hey, it's more football. It's more time for me in the man cave or at the bar, away from the wife. Or you're like, I'm a player. I'm I'm, I'm not signing up for this. We'll wind down hour one. Rick Pizzo's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, at Schmidt underscore radio. At Damon Barr, that's two R's on Twitter. Rick Pizzo, 10 minutes away. couple of segments next hour with Rick Kaczynski, his take on spring ball. We'll get into some Malik Collins. Is he up with the Texans? So, a little more specifics here on the NFL expanding to 17 games. 
So you heard it could happen. Here's why it happened. It was part of the new collective bargaining agreement that was negotiated and signed last year. So the NFL could jump as early as this season because they've negotiated at least one new media rights deal, which they've done. And isn't that, uh, isn't that Amazon? I think so. So it's going to be a formality. They'll vote on it uh, today. And it would run through 2030 with the TV partners. So the season's going to run later. So the Super Bowl for next season, for 2022, is going to get pushed back to February 13th. No bye week. You lose one preseason game. The players can't fight this. The CBA gives the owners the right to expand the regular season to 17 games, which means the players have already signed off on this. You're going to hear grumbling because players don't like the idea of the toll that extra game is going to take on their bodies. So if whoever was negotiating this is going to get a code red, barely pass the player vote, uh, 1,019 to 959. So the players are going to get some more money in the big picture, yes. The players' share of of the league revenue, which has been 47%, is going to be now 48% starting in 2021. So they'll get a whole one more percent, but the league reported $15 billion in revenue in 2019. So... The NFL is just throwing their weight around. Think about what you watch in February. Some college basketball, maybe. NBA, maybe. And spring football leagues really haven't worked, but you're excited about spring football in Nebraska. And I know you have spring ball going right now. Uh, for some of the lower divisions and some high schools, honestly. So I don't think uh, you gain much except money. But this right, this to me is strategic. And from a from a timing and placement of your Super Bowl, I think you're 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 moving in on the NBA, and you've already dominated the NBA. But you're absolutely going chokehold now on the NBA because you're putting your Super Bowl against their All-Star game. Now that the All-Star game's end-all, be-all. But you're just moving. You can do whatever the hell you want. It's pretty much what you're doing as Roger Goodell. If you don't like it as a player, tough. You dream to be one of the 53. You dream to get a half a billion dollar deal like Mahomes and go win a Super Bowl, play in another. Who's the next great quarterback? And how many of those fall out in this 2021 draft? Justin Fields. Well, he was impressive. Rick Pizzo is there. He'll join us next. Also, spring thoughts on the Big Red from Mr. Pizzo. Hour two next on Hale Varsity Radio.
Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He is on the road again, leaving Columbus. We say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network at VTN Rick Pizzo. Rick, did you uh, did you complete a 70-yard a rollout to the left today? I did not, but I got to see someone who did. And Justin Fields was just amazing at Ohio State's Pro Day. I guess I never really understood, Chris, the the criticisms of Fields' arm strength and being able to throw the deep ball. I've always thought it's more of a touch thing with him and deciding how hard to throw it or how soft to throw it. But he made some deep throws today that simply wowed the scouts and GMs and head coaches in attendance. I know right now he is projected to be maybe the fourth quarterback off the board because Trevor Lawrence is going to go one and everybody now is in love with Zach Wilson and Trey Lance from North Dakota State. But i got to tell you, if I'm the 49ers at number three with a quarterback coach in Kyle Shanahan, a guy who knows how to groom QBs, and Garoppolo, a starter who's only going to be there for a little bit longer, I take a long, hard look at Justin Fields to that pick. You know, and, and there's been some shade thrown at Fields not a lot. I mean, he's still a, a top 10 guy in, in most mock drafts. But, you know, put your your GM hat on for a moment. And what do you like about Fields' game and that ability to translate? And there's more and more college elements that are, that are, that are in the NFL, quite honestly. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point. Ten years ago, he's probably not as valuable a guy. I think right now he is the future of what the NFL quarterback is. And I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson because I think Lamar Jackson is an absolute freak. But you look at what Patrick Mahomes does with his legs. He buys more time. He puts defenses in conflict. And, you know, Justin Fields may not be at that Patrick Mahomes level because very few are. But he has a similar skill set to the ability to make defenses guess and have to commit. He can throw the football from all sorts of angles. I really think he is going to translate well if he is in the right system. I think it's very important. Obviously, you don't go to a Tampa Bay that is going to win with a drop-back quarterback and Tom Brady. You go to a place and a coach and an OC and a quarterback coach who understands and is able to build their system about what your skill set can be. That's why I would really love to see San Francisco take a gamble at three. Uh, you know, there's some conversation about Atlanta at four because Matt Ryan's getting a little long in the tooth. I don't think that's as natural a fit, but I've seen projections having fields as low as 15. I just, I just can't see him being on the board that late in the first round. Well, if you're Shanahan, you, you want your quarterback to play. <laughs> I mean, the thing about Jimmy G is the, the number of missed starts. What, 23 out of right. 48 games he's been dinged? And, you know, you've got a good core of ball players in San Fran. They just picked up Nate Gary. But, you know, with Bosa on the defensive side, I mean, they're just a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl, right? So with Fields, yep. that'd be a, a wonderful spot. 
I think Fields could work uh, anywhere. I really like uh, Zach Wilson a ton. I think he's pretty special. Now, that may be part of the competition he played, and I'm not knocking his ability. They just It's not a Big Ten schedule, obviously. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is fantastic. And I don't know. There's a lot of good quarterbacks. I'm anxious to see how these guys end up panning out. Rick Pizzo's with his Big Ten Buffet, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, was it Buckeye Pro Day with the network? So any other uh, wow moments today from Ohio State players? Yeah, there's a linebacker named Baron Browning who was a late bloomer. I think Ohio State fans expected him. I believe he was a five-star coming out of high school to be really good his first couple of years. He didn't make the right step and didn't make the jump that they expected until this year. But speaking of jumping, his vert today was 40 inches at a linebacker position, and he's like, you know, 6'3", 240-ish. Uh, he ran a really nice 40. His agility and quickness was off the charts. I think he was projected as a guy that was probably mid to late third round. I think he probably moves himself up to the second round with his pro day performance today. I thought he was outstanding. Tommy Togiai, defensive lineman who's projected to be somewhere in the fourth to fifth round, put up 40 reps on the bench at two and a quarter. Now, the 2019 combine, nobody in the country put up more than 39. That is a ton of weight. He is a strong load, and in today's NFL with those defensive linemen, you need loads there. So I think he probably helped himself a little bit as well. And Wyatt Davis, the All-American offensive lineman who can play guard, he can play center. I think he's a guy who's probably going to go early in day two. I think those four guys, counting fields among that group, probably helped themselves the most today in Columbus. Rick Pizzo's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick going to go to spring ball here as it got underway today at Nebraska, and I thought Coach Frost's press conference was pretty businesslike, and the the topic of fundamentals was was spoken about. And I know that should be a no-brainer, but it's nothing that seemed to be emphasized. So with special teams, there's going to be a designate there with with Coach uh, Dawson, which is nice. Bill Bush is on the support staff, which is big time. And Nebraska's got a lot of things back. You got. Adrian back. You've got some experience on the offensive line, and you got nine starters back defensively. This was kind of a just a general question, but you know what? What do you need to see from Nebraska overall? Big picture here, if you if you turn on the spring game, also knowing it's just a spring game. Well, Chris, I think it's interesting that fundamentals was part of that press conference because, to your point. You know, this many seasons in, uh, that's not really a conversation you want to be having. But I think it's a credit that it's a conversation that Scott realizes he has to have because you can look back at so many games over the last couple of seasons and think to yourself, take away this really boneheaded play or this really bad penalty or this fundamentally unsound decision, and we win that game. And I'm not talking about one game per year, Chris. I, I think you would agree. You're talking about multiple games mm. per season in which that's happened. I mean, the Northwestern game sticks out to me last year. I mean, that's a game that Nebraska should have won in so many different ways, right? And then you just make mistake after mistake and give up plays you can't give up. Uh, so to address that is important. But you can't be worrying about that deep in a spring ball because this is when you are installing your stuff. If you have new systems, if you have gimmicks, if you have 
pass plays that you need to install that you need the quarterback and the wide receiver to be on the same page with, you don't do that in fall camp. Fall camp is for perfection. You do that in the spring. So it's a little concerning if you also have to be working on the fundamentals at the same time because I'm not so sure that you have enough time for both. So what you want to see when you get to the spring game, if it's official full-blown spring game, is clean. Can you be efficient? Can you run your offense without making those silly mistakes? Can you play defensively without blown coverages and by staying gap sound? That kind of stuff has to happen by the end of spring because otherwise you're behind the eight ball when you go to perfect those systems in the fall. You know what I think? I think a lot of guys they were wanting to or relying on to to be playmakers, and this isn't uh, you know an excuse. I think it's just a fact. You just nailed it when you talk about what you need to, to work on in spring and perfect in the fall. Well, everybody in college football didn't get a spring to perfect, right? So, yep. I, I think yep. that I think that it was was part of the telling issues. Now, it needed to be better. Guys that were making some of the mistakes had played enough football to not make m- the mistakes. In some instances, they were red redshirt freshmen too. So, I think it can get cleaned up. But I'm anxious because I think there's, you know, I don't know that it's obviously Ohio State talent or even. You know, from a recruiting standpoint, Penn State talent. But I don't know, Rick. You've seen Nebraska football under Scott Frost. I think they're getting, they're continuing to get pretty high-level talent. You just need to see some of that developed and and then perform on Saturday. And stay healthy, which is obviously a key. You've lost some games from some really important players. I am going to be curious, Chris. Obviously, Adrian, we know what he can do offensively. Who's going to be the explosive playmaker on offense? Who's the guy that can take over games at a consistent level from the running back or the wide receiver or that flanker position? Who is that guy? Does that who emerges as that player? And I think that's going to be a question that has to be answered before Nebraska is going to be able to factor inside the West. Now, I don't think the West. I think that Minnesota has lost a lot of guys over the last couple of years, and I think it's going to be really hard for them to get to where they were two years ago. Wisconsin still has a bunch of questions. I think Graham Mertz can be their guy, but they still have a bunch of questions. Illinois is going through a coaching change. You know, Iowa's always going to play Iowa football, but they have a bunch of positions to fill them too. So, you know, I said from the start, and I know you can back me up on this, that it was a five-year process until I thought Nebraska would have a legitimate chance to win the West. We are closing in, and when you look at the West as a whole, man, I think, for lack of a better term, it is very gettable in 2021. Gettable sounds right, and uh, the schedule is what it is, but, man, it's um... – it's there. You just got to kind of put it together. And, and right, everyone else is, is trying to, to reconfigure as you head into 2021. Rick Pizzo's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Rick going to shift over to basketball here. Michigan's still alive. They get UCLA tonight. And uh, what do you think of that matchup here? UCLA's playing great ball. Boy, I am so impressed by UCLA. I mean, I, I have fallen in love with Jaime Jaquez, <laughs> yeah. a guy who can do a little bit of everything for them. I mean, he's just a really solid basketball player. You know, Johnny Juzang can make shots from all over the floor, and Tiger Campbell, who played his high school basketball just across the border from Chicago here at La Lumiere in Indiana. He is a jet 
up and down. I mean, he may be the only guy left in the tournament that's as fast as Michigan's Mike Smith. It's going to be a really fun basketball game. Uh, you know, I think UCLA would actually prefer to get this game a little higher paced, and I think that's maybe a little bit against the, the kind of the Nick Cronin philosophy. But if they're allowed in Michigan to slow it down and play a half-court game, then that means Hunter Dickinson is going to be in the inside feasting. And UCLA doesn't have a ton of height and length, not like Florida State does. And Michigan scored 50 points in the paint against Florida State. I think UCLA is, is, a, is a more well-coached team and a little bit more solid fundamentally on, the, on the both ends of the court. I think it's going to be a great basketball game. I do think Michigan finds a way because I think they have discovered who they have to be without Isaiah Livers, and I don't think they discovered that until the NCAA tournament. And they are playing at a very high level if – Mike Smith, Franz Wagner, and Hunter Dickinson, to me, those are the three guys. If those three guys can be your main contributors and then you get just a little bit of help from Sean D. Brown and Eli Brooks, I think this is a game that Michigan wins and advances into the Final Four. You know what? Michigan showed a lot against Florida State. They had a lot uh, of naysayers uh, in that matchup, and, and what, a, what a job by Jawan and company. Indiana made their hire. It's Mike Woodson. That did what for you? Uh, surprised me. I I know that Scott Dolson, the AD there, feels like they need to embrace their history to recapture their historical glory. But Mike Woodson, 63. Mike Woodson has never coached in college, been in the NBA for 25 years. You know, Mike Woodson's going to have to familiarize himself not just with recruiting, but with the transfer portal. There's going to be about a thousand kids right in the transfer portal this year by the time the national championship game rolls around. There's going to be some Indiana guys in there. You're taking over a program that hasn't shot better than 33% from three-point range in five years, and that's where the game is won and lost these days. So I think there's some serious work to be done. I know there are a lot of other names thrown out. I think this is probably making the job more of a challenge than if you had hired an established college coach. But like everything else, I am a wait-and-see guy when it comes to coaching. I just think that this is something that is going to take multiple years to install and work, and I think the patience of that fan base, understandably, is starting to wear a little bit thin. You know, Rick, do you think uh, Woodson was obviously on on the the short list, but further down the short list, do you think Indiana just missed on who uh, their, their first and second choices were? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rumors and conjecture out there. I would hope that Scott Dolson at least kind of ruffled the white pages and looked up the names of Scott Drew and mm-hmm. touched base with John Beeline to see if there was any interest there. Uh, you know, the folks out there, they're still saying, you know, Brad Stevens is a possibility. Uh, that, that ship has sailed, you know, long, long ago. Uh, I hope that Chris Beard got a call you know i mean there's a lot of guys out there that i think are are certainly worthy there are rumors out there that they actually reached out to chris holtman if you know chris holtman i can tell you that even if they did reach out that conversation would have been very short because chris holtman's going absolutely nowhere ohio state job right now is really good Uh, i can't imagine he was called number one but to your point i don't think he was very far down the list so uh, i think it's an interesting hire if no other descriptive word comes to mind and it is going to be a wait and see process in bloomington Rick, not enough time, but uh, a quick reaction on the Barry Alvarez uh, story that was out this weekend that he's going to retire in the near future. 
Yeah, listen, if it happens, well-deserved. Kudos to one of the most influential coaches and athletic directors in the history of college sports. Barry is personality plus. I love him as a guy. I think he has done a ton, not just for Wisconsin and not just for the Big Ten, but for college sports as a whole. And if he is off to retirement, I wish him many rounds of golf and really good bottles of wine because I know those are two of his passions. Rick Vizo, Big Ten Buffet, Big Ten Network. Rick, uh, safe travels. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate it, brother. Good to talk with uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet. Good insight there. We're going to dial up Coach Rick Kaczynski as spring ball's around the corner. We'll talk with Kaz next. Tale of Our City Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, assistant coach at Iowa and Nebraska. We say hi to Rick Kaczynski. Kaz back with us. Kaz, it's been a while, man. I'm, I'm back from a little breather down to Arizona. How you doing? Good, brother. Appreciate you having me on, Chris, man. Yeah, it's been a while. Can't remember last time we were on. But, I think we uh, were, good to be back with yeah, you. I think we were, well, I was whining about snow and cold and, you know, it's uh it's springtime now. Spring football's underway. Kaz, what was what was your message to your room, man? That first day you, you walked in with the whistle around your neck, wearing the red and white or the the black and gold. What did you want to get across to your kids when when spring happened? Well, the great thing about spring is you're not game planning and getting an opportunity to to do what you do and get to see some kids that you know may have been on the uh, on the scout team during the fall. Uh, and, you know, as football coaches and athletes, you're, you're regimented. So, you know, it's just one step in the next step in the process. Um, but it's, uh, it's the, the step the coaches enjoy the most because you come home from the bowl game, you know, and it's just after a grind and you're in, you're stuck inside during the winter in Lincoln and you're in the weight room and you're really not, you really don't have a whole lot of interaction with your players. Um, other than some film and some things like that. So, you know, first day of spring, you just lay out the same expectations that you have uh, from the moment those guys walked on campus. And and everybody speaking the same language. And expectations don't change in anything that, that you do. And so, you know, it, it was always consistent across the board from the top down. Um, but, you know, no different than the fall, Schmitty. It was a control the control the controllables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the effort, the toughness, the discipline, the assignment. Those those are things that you can control. Guys are going to get beat physically, beat. It's how you come back, things like that. And so you know that was that was the message. And and really, you know, the message was just kind of do do what you do, man. Do your best. And and what guys at that age don't understand is what their best is. And as a coach, especially on that level, especially at a place like Nebraska, Nebraska with the expectations, you know, it's my job to get a kid where he doesn't see himself. Coaches are always going to see kids on a different level, and it's their job to get them there. And that isn't always being their friend. And this was the talk that we were going to that we were gonna have, and those guys knew that. And that was the same talk we had in at the beginning of fall camp. So, um, you know, it was a get after it. And 
um, you know, first couple of days, they're in pads and the offense firing off the ball, and they're getting all fired up in nine on seven in shells because they're getting like four yards. But uh, you know, we just kind of waited for the pads, and that was always the message when we started. But it was it was about us, and that was the great thing going into spring ball. It's about us. It's not about game planning. It's about technique. It's about fundamentals. It's about toughness. It's about pushing through that grind. And it's about seeing guys grow, especially your young guys. You really saw those jumps from uh, from the beginning of a fall camp to um, through the end of spring. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hale Varsity Radio talking some spring ball. And you know what? That development phase is, is so key. And there's four phases. You got winter. You got spring. You have summer workouts. It's more player-led. And then, of course, you got the season. And uh, it all needs to complement one another. And and when when you talk about being able to really work with guys, can you kind of put into uh, not necessarily even a timeline, but just how crunched the season is? I mean, you're, you're working and ready for for an opponent after an opponent after an opponent. So you got to get the development done during the spring. And and I guess how did you you go about that with the balancing act of? All right, here's a here's a guy like Malik or Randy that that have played and played well, and here's a guy that's behind him that we think can be pretty good. We need to get them some reps, but keep the the older guys engaged. How did you juggle that? Well, your your goal as a coach is to not have to play guys before they're ready, right? And and if they are physically and athletically capable of, of playing on that level. Uh, as true freshmen, then it's your job to compact uh, the system for them, you know, get extra time, break it down. It's no different than, you know, a great professor that you had in college. It's, it's not what, it's not what we know. It's not what the professor knows, not what the coach knows, what the player knows. And, you know, that was the hard part when guys come in fall camp that are ready to play as freshmen. And, and really, on, on both sides of the ball up front, it's very few. And, and to say that Malik was ready to play, to say that Vincent or Avery was ready to play as freshmen, they probably they were they were ready to play, but not at the level that they were capable of or what we wanted them. You know, sometimes guys are forced to play out of necessity. So you know, but in uh, Schmidt, I was very fortunate for the guys I coached with. Um, and for the head coaches, it was always fundamental. So even in the fall, let me tell you, I had more fundamental time than anybody else in the country. You know, we had 20, 25 minutes run, 20, 25 minutes pass every single day, if not more. So, so I never had to worry about that. So we always worked, always worked fundamentals. But, but what was, what, what you could do in the spring is finally teach how the parts all around these guys work you know before you're kind of it's like memorizing uh, answers for a test like taking a, a standardized test it's, it's not necessarily learning the knowledge it's kind of learning the answer mm-hmm. so when guys come in early you know they're they're kind of memorizing what they have to do they don't fully understand and when they don't fully understand you know they can never reach that um, you know what they're capable of doing or those expectations of of their athletic ability and their physical ability so 
you know, spring you get an opportunity to teach what the seven guys behind them are doing. You get an opportunity to teach on this is why we do this and this defense. This is why when we rush for four with four, you have to know what they're doing behind you. You have to know the coverage call. You have to know where the back is so you understand the protection. So you get into that. You get into those details where you make those guys become students of the game. And when they become that, when they see the bigger picture, when they have their pre-snap reads, that's when they, that's when they play a, a second faster. Mm. You know, that's when they get in your body a second quicker in the offensive line. You know, that's when they understand that the, the protection turn is going to come to them and how they're going to rush. That's when they start understanding where they're at on the field and what this team does out of these formations. So that's what's really good about spring ball. You, you really don't have to game. You're not game planning. All you're doing, you're teaching football, and you're making them students. You understand how their piece works in the puzzle, and you, you really don't get those opportunities to do that uh, during the fall after about the first two weeks of camp. So, uh, you know, it's a challenge for a coach because you still have to coach everybody in that room, and you have guys that have been in that in the system for three, four, five years, um, but you're still – you're still trying to get them better. You're still trying to get them, get them to see a bigger picture also. You know, it's it's Algebra 1, L, Algebra 2, and Trig, and Calc, and all that. I mean, you're just you're continually trying to make guys better, continually, continually trying to get guys to see a bigger picture and to understand the game a little bit more and make them better football players. You know, you factor in maturity, age, and and patience uh, with what you've laid out with this process. And uh, guys, uh, they'll eventually, the, the light will come on you, hope that, you know, coach knows what he's talking about, the adults know what they're talking about, and i got to put my time in, and then when it clicks, man, it's going to be fun. But you, you just kind of hit on what can, can delay – a, a young ball player from a not only reaching his potential but but also kind of building his his own confidence here by playing fast and going and making plays. I mean, it just it just doesn't bam happen, and it doesn't happen at the highest level. You're not seeing guys. They may start as a rookie, but they're not blowing things up as a rookie. Uh, and then it's no different in college with. When guys can kind of finally find that groove. Kaz, you can look at a guy on film, go see him in person and evaluate in high school, get him on uh, campus for the visit, and then you, you project that, all right, this guy can be a difference maker on third and seven. And I'm talking about getting after the quarterback, moving the pocket, pressure, and then you know the, getting the tackle for loss um, if, if, if that's – if that's doable uh, in a big game. Uh, what prevents a guy that, that looks to be put together physically, can just, just jet off the line, has a great first step? What prevents guys from being great pass rushers? Coaching. If a guy has the athletic ability to do it, and it's something with coaching. And, you know, I, from Coach Holtz would always say either uh, you, you're not seeing it, you're, you're tolerating it or you're accepting it. Sure. And it's a lot of a lot of times guys get in, get in trouble with their eyes. You know, when you start 
when you start doing one step of the process before you, <laughs> when you start moving on to step, step two, before you complete step one is when you get in trouble mm. and it's about eye discipline. It starts in your stance and it's the emphasis. It's you get what you emphasize and it always starts with a stance. And for me, to make sure that my guys always started with a good stance. I did it every single day because if I didn't do that every single day, why would they think, why would I think that they would think that that's important? So you do this, we're doing this, and you explain to them, listen, here's your stance. Your stance is going to change on first and ten, and then what it's going to change in on, on third and ten. All right, what you're reading, you know, I'm not reading the ball. I'm reading the target. I move when my guy moves, and, you know, and I've heard coaches, you know, that's crazy. Okay, read the ball. Well, let me tell you, you're reading the ball, you're reading the hat, you're reading the knee, you're reading the shoulder. There's certain things that, that you have to teach. So it's not just about athletic ability. There's plenty of football, high school football players that come in their freshman year of college that are, that are physically and athletically ready to play, but they're not mentally ready to play. And, you know, that onus comes on, on the coaches. So when you see a guy that has the physical tools to get it done, either one, he's not being coached well, or he's not, he's not tough. Because, you know what, it hurts. It hurts to get to the quarterback. You know, it hurts to take on a defensive end and put your hat underneath his chin and get separation and strain and throw him and go get to the ball carrier. You know, that's uncomfortable. And, you know, this... And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. More with Rick Kaczynski talking spring football. What's scary about you know, what's happened in college football over the last couple of years um, is it's getting really, really tough for coaches to demand things from players. So it becomes even more important to recruit to the right kid. Because coaching, it's it's not a in college football, it's a it's a man's game. NFL, it's a man's game, and, and when you're doing things that men do, sometimes it's it's it can get ugly, and it can get loud, and it can get mean, and some things can get said. And uh, you know that's that's D line, that's O line, you know that's that's football, man. And uh, you know, so you better be you better be sure when you're recruiting. You know, you get a kid that that's that can take your style of coaching, and and coaches, good coaches always change. I mean, I, I was a completely different coach in in 1998 when I started out than I was in 2014. I was a completely different coach in 2007 than I was in, in 2012. Completely different. Um, your you what you demand, your expectations, and what you expect from players, but also what they expect from you. I ex- you know, I, I put expectations on players, but I also put expectations on myself. You know, it was my job to make sure that these guys knew everything I was doing was in their best interest, not my best interest, theirs. You know, and it's no different than parenting. You know, it's not about being their buddy. It's about making sure that they have the opportunities that you didn't have or don't screw up an opportunity mm-hmm. that they have and to maximize their potential. And that's why you're constantly having these conversations. You know, the reason I honestly think that, uh, you know, I, I coach guys hard 
but I always came around and I always explained the reasons why I was doing it. And I also always laid out the expectations for it, Smitty. Mm-hmm. Rick Kaczynski is with us. A couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, Kaz, uh, how, how would... Uh how did you see your relationship grow with uh, uh, Malik Collins? I bring Malik up because he signed a, a nice deal down in Houston, uh, was with Vegas last year, really nice uh, in Dallas, uh, drafted there. And Malik's been on the program before, and, and he's a great dude and just super happy and loved covering him at Nebraska. You know, with, with Malik, he's, he's another one of your guys in the league doing work, and, uh, you know, he's, he's down in – in Houston now and has an opportunity there, but, you know, kind of, kind of give us a look behind the curtain with how, how your guys's relationship kind of started and, and developed and grew because he's a heck of a ball player. You also did your absolute best with coaching him. Yeah. Well, you know, the great thing about Malik is, and the great thing about coaching is it's not a four year relationship. It's a, it's a 40 year. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you, as Malik has matured and, and gotten older and you know, Malik became a father very young and you know, Malik, Malik's college experience wasn't easy. Malik's high school experience wasn't easy. You know, Malik was a guy whose father, whose father passed when, when he was five years old and mother raised him and uh, raised him with discipline and raised him to be a respectful young man and, you know, and raised him to be, raised him to be tough. And, you know, that's, that's hard for a mom. So, you know, you, you have a kid, you have a ton of respect for even before you meet him just to get to where he was. And then, you know, obviously love wrestlers, love multi-sports, multi-sport athletes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this was a kid that the day I met him, you know, I, I knew where he wanted to go and he was going to allow me to do whatever I needed to do to help him reach his goals. And he understood that like, Hey, you know, I can't get there on my own. I need help. Do what you got to do. And it's coach me coach. And that, that was his, that was his mentality. And, you know, Malik was a guy that, never said a word. He just showed up to practice every single day and was able to hold guys accountable even at a young age because of the effort, the discipline, and the way this guy approached himself. He was a pro the day this guy walked into Nebraska as a freshman. If you were going to play next to Malik Collins, you better have your assignment down. You better play with great effort or he was going to get after you. And as a coach, that that makes my job that much easier. And Malik held people accountable in that room. Malik came in on Sundays after the game, watched himself um, Saturdays after the game. I mean, it's just if, if you had every guy like that, uh, hell, I'd be, I would have been the highest paid D-line coach in, in the country. But, uh, you know, and on top of that, he's just a great kid. All I all I had to do with Malik Collins is worry about making him a better football player. I didn't have to worry about making sure he went to class. I didn't have to worry about Malik Collins off the field. So there's absolutely no doubt, and there's I had no doubt, and it's no surprise that Malik Collins has been this successful as as an adult because how he handled things. Mm. 
you know, I mean, hey, he sacrificed. You know, he he could have had a good time. He could have had a better time. He could have better had, had a college experience. But Malik Collins, what he understood was he'd rather struggle in his late teens and early 20s than struggle in his 30s, 40s, and 50s. And I don't care. When he's done playing football, I, if he opens a business, wherever he does next, he's going to be successful. And I, I, I would be shocked. I bet this guy's going to coach. I guarantee he's going to coach. He'd be a great coach. And I'm going to try to talk him into coaching mm. because he gets it. And it's about he, – he, get, he gets what it's about. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger than you. It's not an individual sport. It's about the team. It's about your family. And it's about doing what you have to do. And that's life. And, and that's why it's such a pleasure to coach Malik. And, you know, I mean, even I think it was during the season, he sent me a text. He said, man, I'm just not playing like myself. You know, and I'm like, hey, I'll try to watch as best as I can. And yeah, But that's just his mentality. There's always more. There's always more out there. And guys like that, it's just a pleasure to coach. And then on top of that, he's just a, he's just a great dude. I mean, you just love the guy, man. He's just a great guy. He's a great representative of Nebraska. Um, you know, he loved Nebraska, loved his time there. And, um, you know, I think he's represent, rep, he represented Nebraska extremely well when, when he was there, and he's representing Nebraska very well. Now that he's gone, so uh, just an unbelievable kid. I'm one of one of one of the best. Thanks for sharing that, man. Malik Collins, good for him signing the deal with the Texans. Rick Kaczynski, a uh, longtime coach in Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, uh, we'll get caught up again next week if it works with your schedule to talk some more spring ball. Thanks for the time. I always love chatting. Same here, brother. You got it, man. Talk to you next Tuesday. It's Coach Kaz, and uh, love his uh, Tuesday chance with us. A reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk buzzer high. Never acceptable, and law enforcement officers working every day to stop before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Believe it or not, Strahan goes to the dentist. We have audio in the world's largest truck stop. Info to tell you. We'll wind out on Tuesday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time tomorrow, Greg Smith, Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart. Awesome stuff today, Mitch Sherman, Coach Kaczynski. And Rick Pizzo. So say it ain't so. There are some things that are sacred in sports. Touchdown Jesus. The Horseshoe Memorial Stadium. Watching the Sooner Schooner potentially tip over. And Bevo stoned out of his mind near the south end zone. The gap in Michael Strahan's front two teeth are part of him. But Strahan went to the dentist.
If I go home and say I'm going to do it, it'll be like, don't do it. If I post, it'll be don't do it. If I talk to my friends, it'll be don't do it. If I talk to my business partner, it'll be like, don't do it. But I got to do what I want to do for myself now, you know? And you're the only one who knows. No, we're just going to show them. And you're the best at this, so that's why I'm here. Can I, I want to get that? Yep. Okay, right here. I'm going to get you out of here. Okay, girl. It was two seconds. You're the moment. <laughs> 50 years of the making. Here we go. Let's do it. So there's only two people that I ever saw on TV that could floss with a rope. The type of rope you could climb in gym class. One was Strahan, the other was Sloth from the Goonies. I don't know how I feel about this. Because Strahan's grin is iconic. And part of that is, the, in, in the video we have, it's out on Twitter now, is Strahan got that upright narrowed and good for him but he's always just kind of been a dude man great defensive player nfl hall of famer abc good morning america on fox i mean i think strahan makes so much freaking money he can have 30 dental surgeries but he finally did it you know there's it's okay to be imperfect but man, the teeth, that's kind of signature Strahan, isn't it, Damon? I mean, that's his brand. Like, it's who, it's who, it's who you think of when you, uh, you now, think, I think of the grin. Yeah, the grin. It's, and, it's and Strahan. Look, look, listen, the, the all, like, teeth jokes aside, the guy's great at what he does, and it's part of his smile, and it's okay. So, but you know what? I bet you he's been beating himself up, and before he got bigger, stronger, faster, and could maul you, probably got picked on with it. So it's just something he's wanted to do for a while. But one of the great things in sports, Strahan's teeth, one of those iconic things in sports, now changed. All right, tomorrow, spring football thoughts. Greg Austin, Coach Fish. We'll uh, get to it. Take care. Back at you tomorrow on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.